Is it time to quit? I do know that there's a lot of different traders out there, as well as investors, who have capitulated. I even hear about YouTubers out there capitulating. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I ended up mentioning that now is not the opportune time to buy stocks. But I don't blame them. And the reason why I don't is because at first glance, the markets are pure chaos. There's many different narratives going on around the markets, like 40-year high inflation, the CPI at 7.5%, recession fears and signals, uh, specifically with the yield curve inverting, geopolitical tensions uh, with a potential war breaking out between Russia and Ukraine, um, guiding towards aggressive Fed tightening policy, which could be the most aggressive in history, which would be included as uh, interest rate hikes, uh, quantitative easing and quantitative tightening all within the same year. And then even just general uncertainty about the environment in, as a whole with technicals breaking down in the financial markets. It seems like every day I log into Twitter and I see somebody posting a mark or a chart that says, look, the markets are going to crash because of this. So the question really comes down to what on earth are we supposed to do and what on earth are we supposed to think? But as investors, we must zoom out and simplify things in times of chaos. It first starts by thinking about the business. When we buy a stock, we are buying a portion of a business. During times like these, other investors and traders are often willing to sell these wonderful businesses that you may like long term to you for cheap. Valuation is overlooked during periods like this, and business performance is often ignored. It's all about the risks and uncertainties in the broader macroeconomic environment. But more or less, at the end of the day, this is all drama, and this too shall pass. And you must think about at various other times throughout history where we've seen the global financial crisis, right? That was going to be a 40 to 50% drawdown in the S&P 500 from peak to trough. And then that was going to be one of the worst bear markets in history. But it still recovered. Throughout the 1980s, Peter Lynch was going to be one of the best performing portfolio managers with the Magellan Fund. And he ended up saying in his, in his direct quote was, I think you have to learn that there's a company behind every stock, and that there's only one real reason why stocks go up. Companies go from doing poorly to doing well, or small companies grow to large companies. In essence, stock prices fluctuate. And as investors that have predominantly started investing within the last year or so, right? I think that a majority of the audience that does follow me ends up has it began investing since let's say 2020. I have noticed that throughout this time, there has been a lot of volatility to the upside as well in companies that may not have had any real business fundamentals that could support any long-term growth, such as various different biotech stocks. And if you are a biotech investor, I understand how uh, it's often speculated as, you know, long-term total addressable market performance, or, you know, it could be uh, desktop metals or skills stock or many of the other SPACs that said that they were going to do wonderful. Uh, it's important to understand that these, these stocks aren't doing well because the business isn't doing well. But this doesn't always mean that you should be selling businesses especially when they're wonderful businesses. And I'll explain here more in just a little bit. But volatility is sometimes and, and more often than not viewed as a punishment in the financial markets. I do think that this is correlated to how people perceive money as a whole. Uh, they have an emotional attachment to it. 
For example, when many people think of $1,000, they may associate a type of value to it like, hey, I can go buy an iPhone, a tablet. I can do one month's mortgage. I could pay off debt. I can take a really nice vacation. Or if you really like going out to eat and just splurging for a week, whatever it might end up being. But the truth is, this money is nothing more than a commodity. It is a tool to be used for either the exchange of goods, services, or assets. Its value is only what we as people assign to it. The value assigned is what is emotional. So you think about those items, the objects, and then that emotional connection to those items and objects is typically where the the emotional attachment to, to money comes from. But distancing yourself from these emotions or the assignment of value to any commodity as a whole, if there's... If there's an emotional attachment to this money, the money will control you. But if you are emotionless and use money as as the tool that it really is, you will control this tool appropriately. In this case, the tool is the money. And you'd be amazed at how money begins gravitating towards you when you understand the functionality of it as a tool. The concept of money and the emotional connection of it as often is I would say the biggest barrier to many new investors because of that dollar amount and the value that is assigned to it. For example, if a new investor has a $10,000 account value and they have picked individual stocks, so they're considered themselves as a stock picker and not necessarily just an index fund investor. But out of nowhere, the stock market decides to focus on things like inflation, the Fed and the Fed's policies, uh, global politics or geopolitical tensions in this case or even just general economic predictions about recessions. But the market also decides when it wants to focus in on these things that all at the same time, everything is going to sell off because it's uncertain. And as a result, the new stock picker's portfolio goes from $10,000 to $7,000 in the event of a broader market correction or a market crash. And many investors will think, well, I just lost $3,000. And they think on similar terms, I could have paid bills. I could have put a down payment on a car. And in some cases, if your portfolio gets big enough, you could have buy in a car or ended up buying a house in whole. But once that value is assigned and an emotional response is often the effect. And it's often deemed as what Wall Street likes to say, as pain. But let's zoom out. What has actually happened here in the event of this market crash or correction? At the surface level, this loss is associated as a punishment. Negative thoughts often circle the investor's mind. Thoughts like, what did I do wrong? How could I have let that happen? How can I prevent feeling like this again? Maybe I should just trade when the markets are clear. I suck, and I'm a terrible investor. Doesn't this all sound familiar? Every investor, both new and experienced, goes through this. Remember how I mentioned volatility is often viewed as a punishment. Let's talk just briefly more about volatility as a whole. Volatility is the price that we pay for return on our invested capital, especially in the financial markets. Investors do not pay their way to wealth in an easy to understand transaction like many other transactions would be. They earn generational wealth through embracing volatility as a teacher, a fee, or an exchange as a way to earn their right to riches through our free markets that are currently present for us. We constantly talk about stories of today's greatest investments as of some sort of, in some sort of hindsight. Conversations usually sound something along the lines of, 
if you would have bought XYZ stock, every dollar you invested would now be worth $10,000. So if you would have put $1,000 into a stock, now all of a sudden today it would be magically worth $100,000. What's often left out is the volatility it took for $1 to become $10,000. It took multiple 50% declines, wars, financial crises, monetary tightening cycles, you name it, you had to go through it. You had to earn this return just like anything in this world that's worth having. Anything that's worth having does require something in return. And it's often in the form of pain, discomfort, or failure. In this case, it's a combination of everything. Let's tie this back to what Peter Lynch was saying previously. And remember this quote that I just ended up saying not too long ago. I think you have to learn that there's a company behind every stock and that there's only one real reason why a stock goes up. Companies go from doing poorly to doing well, or small companies grow to large companies. The new investor stock portfolio went from $10,000 to $7,000. The first line of thinking was, I lost $3,000, but the truth is, is that he didn't lose anything. The only thing that truly happened was the trading price of the business that he owned went down. The trading price is subject to many different risks, uh, with, especially within the financial markets. In fact, a stock doesn't even need to trade down on anything related to the business at all. The stock can quite literally sell off because the market is highly sensitive to the, to the slightest piece of bad news. This market climate, one that we're currently experiencing, is also known as a risk-off market. The important thing to understand about this young investor's portfolio is that the business equity remains the same. The business equity is the real asset because money is nothing more than a commodity. Remember, it's a tool. Money does not actually produce anything and it has no function other than to buy things the exchange of commodities other commodities goods whatever it might end up being but the business equity does have real value and this real value can increase the asset in this case is a business with employees a ceo a product a service and quite literally functions in everyday society providing value for people that use its product what's more important is that this asset has the ability to produce money in fact it can produce more money many times over. That $1 can produce $10,000 in time. This really brings me to the point of this article. An investment horizon of three months to a year is not an ample amount of time for poor businesses to become good or small businesses to become large. And if you take a look, and I cited Reuters here in this article, that the average holding period for a stock is now five and a half months at an all-time low. And this was cited back in April of 2020. This means that there's many traders, speculators, and gamblers, and I do think that algorithms do have a role to play into this. But let me clarify something very important. Stock picking is not buying and holding a stock. Stock picking is buying and validating. This typically means that you have to constantly retest your thesis on various different companies that you do pick. When a stock goes down, you must ask yourself, why? An example of some questions you could potentially ask yourself, was there insider selling? Is there competitive risk emerging? Did the CEO step down or say something that could change the long-term business outlook? Is there international policy change? Like what ended up happening with C Limited, where India ended up excluding Free Fire and then potentially even Shopee from ever entering that market. This does change the long-term business outlook. Or did a new piece of news emerge about the businesses 
just general over to overall long-term outlook? Are they involved in some sort of litigation battle? For example, like Facebook was often involved in various different litigation battles uh, with Congress of the United States of America. So you usually want to take this information and test your long-term thesis, challenge it, benchmark it, listen to the bears, and always get a good understanding of the things and the shortcomings of your business. And if something changes, sell the stock. No questions asked. Don't become emotional. Just sell it and move, move on. Nine times out of 10, you'll be happy that you did. And the other one out of the 10 times was basic human error. Selling a stock because it's going down is not a valid thesis. Make sure to have a business reason for selling a stock in the first place. For example, sometimes I will sell stocks because maybe they may be trading at a premium multiple. And it was already a very expensive stock. But their earnings came out and their earnings didn't impress me as much as I thought that they were going to. Therefore, I look forward and I say, this stock may be trading a little too expensive. And I believe that the long-term risk-reward profile for this business, especially if it may not be a profitable business, isn't necessarily appealing to me. Therefore, I will often sell the stock post the earnings call, especially if the business results are not going to be up to speed or adequate enough for to support its current valuation. And in turn, I may revisit it at a lower multiple. And many times I do. But the important thing here is that the earnings season is here, uh, which is a very, very important time for investors. And this is typically a period where you should be testing your hypothesis, listening to how business stories are developing. And then I often find myself incredibly busy during this time when, when my companies are reporting. A few companies that I currently own or are following closely along with are going to be Upstart, Zoom Info, Amplitude, Global E, Voyager Digital, and Palantir. I own all of those except for Upstart currently. And the reason why I don't own Upstart is because I'm concerned about the contracting credit risk of a lot of the different lending companies out there, like a firm, like Lending Hub, Club. And I noticed that a lot of these were selling off because of not necessarily optimistic guidance. And don't always think that revenue in the bottom line matters with a lot of these lending companies because in, in many cases, it's about default rate. And as there's less consumer stimulus for a lot of these companies, we do it, it so the overall credit environment does expect additional defaults in comparison from 2020 and 2021 when the government and the overall monetary policy was highly accommodative to the average everyday consumer. It will definitely be a busy week and I will be listening to a lot of these calls and for a lot of the blue suit or for blue suit members, I will make sure to record and also publish a lot of the findings that I have with these businesses. And what's really exciting is that a lot of these that I own, I have been following them since IPO. So I've, I researched them at IPO where I had a chance to read their entire S1. And then I got a really good understanding of the business model then. And I've watched the story develop over time and I still own a lot of these companies. You're definitely gonna wanna tune in for this if you're not already subscribed. But other notable earnings this week are gonna be Shopify, Video, Matterport, Fastly, Fiverr, Roku, and DraftKings. <coughs> Excuse me. And Roku and DraftKings are two ones that I'm going to be paying the most attention to. Shopify, I want to know more about too, uh, because I want to know how they're evolving over time because of their close ties with Global E. 
Nvidia, I want to know more about, especially from the semiconductor market. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cover this one because I know that there's going to be a lot of other, uh, let's say, fintwit personalities that will be covering Shopify, Nvidia, uh, Roku, and then probably not DraftKings. Uh, but I will be paying attention to at least getting an idea of what their top and bottom line metrics look like. But in summary, the purpose of this was to really emphasize how cash is not valuable, but business equity is. The business equity produces additional cash over time, and in some cases, many times over. But this does take time, and it typically can't be done in the period of holding, the average holding period of five months. In this business, in the investing business, mindset is going to be more important than technical skills that you learn along the way and fundamental skills. It truly is going to be 80% mindset and 20% skill. Approach this, this business with a willingness to learn and a willingness to grow with your portfolio and to make sure to always have the correct mindset and always understand that oftentimes delayed gratification supersedes any sort of short-term expectations or any sort of short-term gratification. As always, guys, stay tuned, stay classy.